Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Show, happy uh, Wednesday. It's, uh, you know, middle of the week. You made it to the weekend most of the way. So congratulations to you. Uh, your reward literally is football because the number Broncos got underway down at Dove Valley. Uh, the training camp uh, commences now with the first practice of the year. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson throwing footballs into the back of a net and uh, things like that that you expect to see the first day of practice. But it, it obviously is the beginning of a new chapter for the Denver Broncos. And uh, even though he's been recently speaking, Greg Penner talked about uh, about that significantly after practicing, quote, quote uh, one expectation is that year two will be smoother than the first year. And I think that's interesting to note because that's not a high bar. Uh, no, true, not a high bar. But I think there are reasons to believe that that is absolutely going to be the case because as the new ownership, despite spending $4.6 million, kind of just got dropped into, uh, I think I will liken it, I'll be as plainly as I can, they bought a very expensive home, and when they got in, they kind of found out it was more of a fixer-upper than they thought. And a lot more of a fixture up. That's than what the ownership group has been kind of dealing with, and I, I do suspect that it will be very different this time around when you're talking about the way this team is run. But it, but it's not something that can immediately be flipped. No, and I think they are perhaps under the impression with this new coach that it can be. And uh, I thought not only the substance but the tone of today's press gathering uh, was interesting, and we'll hear from a lot of folks over the next couple of hours mm-hmm. here today. But I think the idea that they may be harboring that instant gratification is on the way to make up for the massive disappointment of 2022 uh I don't see that in the offing. I see improvement, maybe improvement around the edges. Um, The pre-camp week so far has not exactly been glorious. A lot of bad news. News so bad that Sean Payton felt compelled to speak out to USA Today about the suspension for gambling of a fringe player Mm -hmm. who did not figure prominently in Denver's plans for 2023, but his absence for a year caused Sean Payton to both condemn the stupidity of the act and also the hypocrisy of the National Football League. Now, on either score, I suspect he is correct, but putting both out there uh, leaves one to wonder... What exactly is his point? The player was stupid for gambling when it's crystal clear, as Peyton himself said, you can't bet on NFL football. He claims to have told that to his players in unambiguous terms. There is no betting on NFL football ever, ever, ever. I don't give a bleep what it is. The other thing is, it's the same as the gun policy. You can't bet on nothing 
if you're at our facility, our hotel, our airplane. So wherever you can't carry a gun, you can't place a bet. He then grabs a phone and tells USA Today, if you want to know why everybody is getting busted, talking about the 10 players now, I think it's right. 10 it who is have 10. been suspended for this gambling. Season, yes. If you want to know why everybody is getting busted, they are using this as he holds up the phone at the facility. And this traces where you are at. It's real simple for the players. You can't bet on football, period. You can bet on the other sports, dogs, ponies, craps. You can do all that, but you can't do it while you're at the facility. Then he goes on to point to the hypocrisy of the situation given NFL team sponsorship agreements with gambling entities. I know this. There's a handful of owners that are owning these problems, in air quotes. A player can't have a share of DraftKings or FanDuel. It's shameful, embarrassing. And then he adds the kicker, which is a shot as direct at the commissioner of the NFL as one can take. When they want to kill somebody, i.e. when Goodell wants to kill somebody, when I got suspended, it was, you can't have any contact with anybody in the NFL. The idea that I'm going to call somebody and say you need to be running these plays is foolish. He's just venting now. The question is, what's the intent of the punishment? I know what Roger uh, Roger's intent was for me. Do we want these young men to still have a chance to learn from their mistakes? There's a lot of stuff there, there much is. of it contradictory. And, and some of it, I mean, interesting to tie sort of the, the, the gun policy to the gambling policy is an interesting choice for, for sure and something of a, a bit of a misalignment. Especially when guns are a major problem in society and also in the national yeah, football. It's sort of an interesting choice there. But, but you know, in, in the end, that there are things in there. He's not really inaccurate about it. And I, I think the, the point he's trying to make is, quite frankly, uh, the NFL's gambling, let's just kind of go piece by piece through that. The NFL gambling rules are quite simple. If I can explain to you in one sentence the gambling rules, then they're simple, and I can. If you're an NFL player, here's the rule. You can't bet on NFL football games or make any bets of any type at an NFL facility. That's the entire rule. That's it. That's not hard to follow. And I understand there's some frustration about, oh, but a, a guy like Yuazurika isn't making that much. He's making league minimum. Um, you might want to check and see what, you know, minimum is in the NFL. And then check your own paycheck. I think you'll find that they're still rather well compensated if you're an NFL player. And everybody at every job has certain sets of rules. And maybe some of them are kind of silly or dumb or even hypocritical. But here's the deal. If they're part of your conditions of taking the job and you still take the job, now it's on you. And so when it comes to these guys getting the suspensions, I have no sympathy for it because, as I explained, it's not complicated. It's not hard. The NFL couldn't care less. If you want to bet on Major League Baseball, go for it. They don't care. Just don't do it at the facility. Don't do it in your locker. 
Remember, these are apps on the phone. Sean Payton talks about, you know, whether they're getting caught and act as if that was a complaint. For the NFL, that's a feature, not a bug. When you're, when you're betting on an app, it's geofenced. It's tagged. They know where you are. They have to legally. A state like Colorado has to be, they have to, for to operate here, you have to be able to prove that the people placing bets in Colorado are physically in Colorado. So, again, I don't know why players don't think they're going to be caught. That You don't think that on your phone they're saving uh, digitally all your bets. They know exactly what you bet on, when you bet on it, where you were when you placed it. I mean, stop. So I have no sympathy for that. But I will agree that Sean Payton is right when you're talking about something of the inequity of NFL owners don't necessarily have those rules. Now, obviously, presumably, they're not supposed to bet on football, and I guess you trust that they wouldn't, but there's not really an owner's code of conduct in which an owner would be suspended, so I don't know. And Peyton's argument is, well, wait, this league has betting sponsors, betting partners. You'll see... Behind okay, many players and many teams, you'll, you'll see that. What is his position on Uazurike, then? That he shouldn't have been suspended? That he should only have been suspended for a few weeks? I, I think he made a I, clumsy I, I, point of trying to say that, look, the owners get to He's trying the to money. have it both ways. A little bit. Trying so, to have no, it both so ways. So the commissioner can't, he, he can point some, I said that I told the players you that you correct. can't bet on the NFL. And then there's this weird aside that he says, well, the NFL gambling policy is far too complicated, so complicated, uh, yeah. and he called it awful. I just explained it. It's not complicated. Okay. But go ahead. Well, he says it's extremely complicated. He completely disagrees with you. He says he instructed Bronco personnel, uh, Mark Thews in particular, who is, I guess, the vice president of football operations mm-hmm. now. And compliance. And compliance, yep. He was here when Josh McDaniels was here. They were close friends. McDaniels brought him in. He's still here. I admire his survival skills. But he told his people to essentially tear up material from the NFL on its gambling policy during the spring and produce or provide a streamlined version of the policy for players and the Broncos staff. It's always been streamlined. I don't know what the hell he's talking about, about how complicated the I NFL literally just gambling explained policy it in a sentence. is. Well, one sentence. But he says it's complicated. Okay. He is the hypocrite here, in my opinion. Not that he's wrong about any particular point, but he's all over the place. And we'll get to the essence of his hypocrisy relating to injuries in a little while here, but he sounds like a guy who, although he won't talk about it explicitly, is still seething oh, over being suspended I 11 years I, I ago he was by Roger Goodell. quite explicit he about it right here. Roger Goodell hates him, which is an interesting position for the Broncos to be in as much falderall as the Broncos have foisted on not only the public here, but on the NFL, through its various expressions of utter, total, complete dysfunction, I think the National Football League would look at the Broncos and say, stop your whine. The Broncos whine more than the Raiders do. The Broncos whine more than the Raiders do about this stuff. 
this the, the comments in in USA Today, and we'll hear hear some today. And I, I suspected this would be the case, and I, I had some reservations in hiring Sean Payton because of the way that the Bounty Gate went down and the way that uh, Payton himself took responsibility or shirked it, depending on the way you take a look at it. I still don't have a problem with him as head coach. I think that you probably may have found the right guy for the job because the Broncos do need someone uh, from outside the organization to reset their expectations. But this was always a concern Sandy and Sean Payton's market as a head coach did not materialize to the breadth that he expected when you're talking about the teams that were interested in making him the head coach. You could tell because, you know, during that time that the obvious churn ups on, on the NFL sort of products was that kind of pointing out, Oh, there's tons of teams interested all the time. Well, this, this stuff comes from Payton's agent. Obviously you're, you're trying to do that. That's normal. But this was always the concern this season, I think, without much question, because of the, the person that Sean Payton is, as well as the coach that Sean Payton is, and I think exposed a lot in those comments, because you're right, trying to have it both ways, certainly still very, very angry about the, the Bounty Gate suspension. The Broncos have signed on to Sean Payton's revenge tour. <laughs> well said. That's what they've signed well on to. Said. And what shape that takes, I don't think we know yet. But but you're along for the ride. Because when you see him making those comments and immediately even going after the owners of the NFL for their deals with sports books, which they get to benefit of uh, put in their pocket. By the way, his own owners correct deals. And does that show you how empowered Sean Payton is in this organization? Well, we talk uh, about how Deion Sanders is empowered up at CU and it's basically oh, the Deion show. It's, it's, I'm not it's sure that this same. isn't much different. The, the Broncos have the handed the car keys and everything to Sean Payton. And they're along for the ride now. But Sean Payton has some axes to grind. Uh, what, it, we had her in, in town a couple weeks ago. Is one of Taylor Swift's lyrics. Uh, I bury hatchets, but I keep maps of where I put them. <laughs> and, and that's... Sean Payton in this case. And that's going to be very, very interesting when you see how this works because what Broncos fans are used to, for better or for worse, is some transparency into the way the Broncos work, even when that has come with an occasional bout of self-delusion regarding the talent on the roster or the ability of the coaches that they've hired. Uh, but the Broncos have generally been rather transparent. Sean Payton is not going to be transparent. Sean Payton is going to be opaque as much as possible. And that means at times... He may obfuscate. He may play both sides <laughs> of an argument. Right. And, and some of this comes from the man that he emulates in Bill Parcells, who, who ran his team with, one, unquestioned firm control, and two, a very clear disinterest in anybody's opinion about how he's doing things. One of the reasons that I don't think George Payton will be around for very long is that the minute you disagree with Sean Payton is a problem, just as there was a problem, just asked Robert Kraft. And I suppose the late George Young can't be questioned at this point on this, but any time you disagreed with Bill Parcells during all his years as head coach, anytime you disagreed with him, he was done with you. He was done with Robert Kraft. He was done with George Young. 
a spectacularly successful general manager with the Giants. And it should have been a nice partnership. And I suppose it didn't get off to a great start when after the first year, George Young was clearly trying to replace Bill Parcells with Howard Schnellenberger back in the day. But still, if ever there was any sense of disagreement, Bill Parcells made it very clear that he was in charge of the New York Giants. And George Young was under the impression that he was in charge of the New York Giants. And George Young was there before Bill Parcells was. It'll be very interesting to see how all of this plays out and how much blowback the Broncos are willing to take because Sean Payton invites it. More than the Washington football team. They had a player suspended. Mm -hmm. Ron Rivera said nothing. Dan Campbell's had several players suspended. And maybe more are coming. He hasn't said a word. Virtually all the players are players of no consequence whatsoever. That's presumably why they were gambling. Relative to salaries in the NFL, they weren't making much. And the same is true with Uazurike. Why Sean Payton is so upset over this as if he had lost Justin Simmons for a year or Patrick Sertan for a year is something that I don't completely understand. I think the reason that we get this, and this is my presumption, I don't know, uh, armchair psychologist here, so take it for what you will. This is something Sean Payton wanted to get to anyway, and he got an excuse. Well, this this here's, this is this has this has bothered quote. him, and he got an excuse to finally let it out. Shame on us. Um, shame on himself. I don't think so. Shame on us, he says. And we're going to send them home for a year where they can't be around. The idea that you just go away. Shame on us. And that explains how he was made to disappear when he was suspended. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how all this goes. Of course, he had comments today from the Broncos uh, podium talking about injuries. And, And again, both sides of the argument are being used. So we'll, we'll, we'll get a chance to, uh, to, to hear those. Uh, you get a very detailed explanation starting it's about... like a light beer from Miller. I feel very strongly both ways. Both ways. Uh, Tastes great. Let's fill it. You'll hear more about it next on Miley Sports. I'm not afraid. Yeah. It's been a ride. Everybody. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now, some of you might still be in that place. I hear voices in my head. They counsel me. They understand. They talk to me. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Did not take long as the Denver Broncos find out. Look, what I said it in my segment, they... Signed on for the Sean Payton Revenge Tour, and uh, it, it was on display uh, really yesterday when you're talking about the statements in the USA Today that Sean Payton made about the way the NFL handles uh, its its gambling situation, including the fact that, uh, you know, the, the essentially a sideways complaint that the owners make money off of it and the players uh, perhaps, I guess, don't, although the truth of the matter is the CBA is a revenue split, and so the players actually do 
make However, money indirectly. off of it indirectly. So, yes. so it's kind kind of a kind of a strange thing to become uh, that upset about in that capacity. But even today, uh, obviously, the one of the big stories around the, the Broncos, besides uh, how Russell Wilson will do, and that of course will take some time to find out how it goes. But Javante Williams was not placed on any of the restricted lists and was asked specifically today about uh, what the plan for Javante Williams was now that training camp is underway. Listen, any player who had a significant injury a year ago, um, Bo and I will sit down and we'll have a, a group one, you know, and that would be a, someone like him. We'll have days on, limited days, day off. And so there's a process and it won't, it won't only be with him. There'll be a handful of those players. And then we'll have a, a mid group of players that will have a set schedule with load management. And then the last group would be, you know, veteran players like Kareem. Um, we have, you know, a handful of those guys that we'll, we'll be smart with. So he would fall into that first group of, uh, of a planned schedule as he's recovered from a major surgery, but we're pleased with it, obviously with his progress, we felt, really good about it in the spring um and yet you know he put the work in so sort of a clear vision going forward of how they're going to handle things with uh, not only javante williams but other handling some of the older players trying to make sure that they can uh, not overtax too many of their their athletes it sounds like un, unlike what you saw last year with nathaniel hackett there is certainly a clear plan based on your injury situation your recovery from injury uh, your age, some concessions to that. That sounds very obvious uh, for many reasons, but the truth is for the last three head coaches for the Denver Broncos, even this sort of basic level of planning was never evident. So if you're talking about one of the reasons why the Broncos were so happy to get Sean Payton, it is this kind of attention to detail that they haven't had for years. Oh, I think it's great that they have a process and they will stick to that process. Rather they will rigorously. stick to it rather rigorously. Yeah. And when he's talking about, I said, Bo, it means Bo Lowry, who's the, the VP of player health and performance, which right. is a, a role on the uh, new guy. Yeah. Not on the coat, not, not listed as coaches, but a, right. a staff member for exactly. the Broncos itself. So a different role there. And, and these are the kind of things that I think, you know, have, have uh, changed rather uh, dramatically. So, it is part of the reinvention of this team under Sean Payton. And, yes, while the, the ownership certainly has a say in how it goes, this is also an ownership that appears uh, comfortable to hand things over to a coach that has won the Super Bowl. And as you've pointed out, Sandy, is probably one of the best 30 coaches in NFL history and probably I would taking say so. it for Canton. I would say so. But another Super Bowl win would help, uh, certainly. especially with a second team which has never happened. Now, Parcells was in Super Bowls mm-hmm. with different teams, but he only won the That's Super Bowl note. twice with the New York Giants. Right, that, that, that a Super Bowl winning coach has never won a Super Bowl with another team. Nope. You've, you've had guys and Parcells, I think, is the only one to get to one. Well, Holmgren did. Holmgren right, did. Mike Holmgren. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's few and far between. Now, he was all Payton was also asked specifically, if you remember in the, the last OTA, Broncos' top pick, second-rounder Marvin Mims Jr., their wide receiver, uh, ended up missing that injury situation. And uh, he was asked specifically about Mims. And if you were thinking that you would get something of a similar detail that from Peyton that you got about Javante Williams, because that seemed pretty r- r- plain, simple, sensible, well laid out, uh, well, 
you would be wrong. And he was asking a question. Sorry. Marvin Mims. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's the deal with Mike Purcell and his injury? And no injury updates or any of that. I'm never going to talk about injuries. What about the depth from the defensive line? I feel pretty good about it right now. Even losing a guy? I think we, I just answered that. Yikes. So first ask about Marvin Mims, and then, of course, you hear about Mike Purcell and uh, saying he wouldn't at all talk about injuries. Now, I guess you're, you're splitting hairs, right? Is he talking about how Mike Purcell is hurt or what he's hurt and not what his plan is? That, that's going to be the trick, right? And this is sort of the similarities with Purcell. Well, he, we know with Purcell, he, he laid out the. It he, was it was yeah. non-football right. related. But we yeah we know yeah we know that. But a bit like with Bill Parcells, he's going to parse this out. Yeah. He was more than happy to explain in detail. We right. knew about Javante Williams because what that's in his best back. interest. Makes him look good. Explaining what happened with Mike Purcell, or maybe even detailed Marvin Mims. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. And then uh, when asked about depth, if you don't have Purcell for a Right. Undetermined amount of time. Uh, well, Evazarike suspended I, for the year. I was just going to say, now and, Purcell becomes a more important figure, perhaps a guy who might make the team now. With, with Evazarike here, he was not going to make the team. Also, by the way, I mean, it's very clear that you're going to get, a, a, as media members, um, Sean Payton is not going to answer questions twice. <laughs> He is going to make sure if you're not paying attention, you ask something that was even alluded to before. Don't expect an answer. He's, again, like Bill Parcells, he will answer the questions that he wishes to answer in the manner in which he believes is in his best interest. And presumably, Sean Payton believes that what is in his best interest is also within the Denver Broncos' interest. The the, the Venn diagram of what is good for Sean Payton and what is good for the Denver Broncos, at least the way that the team is structured right now, is one circle. The overlap is 100%. Uh, Le tat c'est moi, as Louis XIV once said. Uh, Sean Payton. The state is the mine. State, yeah, the state is me. Yeah, yeah, and and, and me. for Sean Payton, mm-hmm. I, I think that's very I, clear what they're at. Well, it's exactly right. And if you thought the Broncos were a closed-off organization before, (laughs) you ain't seen nothing yet. You've never seen, as a Denver Bronco fan, an organization that will be as closed off for better and for worse. You will never have seen an organization as closed off as the Denver Broncos will be under Sean Payton. There will be nothing coming out that they don't want you to know for fans that is going to be different no leaks now it will be a leak proof organization i guess i will say this i don't know if the broncos are in the street Completely that the closed. worst run of football they've had as an nfl franchise and it is ongoing to this day i believe broncos fans are at the point they don't care just get wins Great. We love the Broncos. We love news about the Broncos. But if you're winning, we just don't care. I think that's where fans are at. And so for Sean Payton, that also plays into his hands. Uh, He doesn't have to answer questions from media members if he doesn't feel like it. He doesn't have to answer any follow-ups if he doesn't feel like it. Vicious Denver media. Yeah. Uh, Not renowned for its uh, sharp teeth, generally, compared to other cities. But the fan base is in a position where we don't care. We don't care what Sean Payton does. We don't, we don't care how it works. We don't care if we know anything about it. They we don't care. care in New Orleans. We don't either. care. 
just they, they, honestly, win they didn't care. football games. And that's going to be a, a gear shift of which Bronco fans, I think, will happily accept if it comes with wins. If it comes with wins. But how patient are they willing to be? Sean Payton's worst year in his career, and it's happened a couple times, but in his entire career, the worst record he's ever had was 7-9. and nine, Ever. One game under 500 is the worst regular season that Sean Payton has ever had in 15 Seven NFL wins this seasons. year will be worse. Seven wins this year would be worse. So for him to avoid the low watermark for his career, I'd have to even look at the mathematical percentages. They'd be close. But you have to win eight. Eight and nine. One game under 500. You can get the you know the percentages for tiebreaker purposes, but one game under five hundred is the worst he's ever been. That's what it would take here. It's it'd be a half game under five hundred, I guess, with a seventeen game schedule. But that's a big jump in a tough division, in a tough conference, with a quarterback that you don't know how much of the problems are age related or stubbornness related or coaching related, and those all have to be sorted out. John Payton has his work cut out for him. There's no question he thinks he's the man for the job. But this is an interesting tone to set. There is sort of, um, I think for Broncos fans, it would be reasonable. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's an observation. It would be reasonable to expect some something akin to, and we've talked to Sandy, you know, I've talked about this over the last few years of maybe a humility coming out of Dove Valley going, hey, fans, we, we've we obviously made some mistakes. We thought we made some right choices. They didn't turn out to be right. We're going to take a look at these and figure out where our processes were. Now, a new ownership coming in when they did allows them to wash their hands of some of it. Some of a it. A lot of it. A lot of it, actually. And the fact that they have made already, in less than a year, a coaching change. Mm-hmm a different offensive coordinator, a different defensive coordinator, different special teams, and a different special teams coordinator. Already, that's these guys. Right. And I'm not talking right or wrong. I no, think but they've most made the of changes. us would agree they're correct and might have even acted sooner in some respects, but they have made changes. And yet there is no real sense coming from any level of the organization that a whole lot of folks have been right about them over the last six, seven years, and they've been dead wrong. Almost in every instance, they've been wrong, completely wrong in their assessment. And I broke it down yesterday their tendency to take unproven players and pronounce them fixtures. Fixtures are said to be stars. Stars are said to be superstars. And over the years, I've been astonished by how many untouchable players the Broncos feel they have had over the years for a team that at the present time is probably in worse shape than most any other NFL franchise. And apart from the Jets, there's no team that over the last seven years has failed to make the playoffs Correct. even once. Correct. And the Jets have Aaron Rodgers, 
and feel, I think, with more reason than the Broncos had last year to feel this way, that they will be in the playoffs somehow, some way in 2023. Maybe they won't be. Maybe they're practicing self-delusion in the same way the Broncos have. But they usually honestly, do, to be fair. But <laughs> I'd bet on the Jets being more right than the Broncos were last year about their prospects. The Jets went seven and ten last year. The Broncos, uh, of course, five and twelve. So a, a difference there as well. Uh, the division, you could make the argument. The AFC East is an interesting one. The Bills are obviously the, yeah. the strongest team, and they are as strong as anybody in the AFC, save Kansas City, who I think is on another level right now, until proven otherwise. But you, you're in a mix. The Dolphins made the playoffs last year, but they won nine. The Dolphins won nine. The Patriots won eight. Jets won seven. So they, they can make a claim that they're in good shape. They're right there. They're, they were two games out of second. The Denver Broncos were five games out of second. They, had to, they would have to double their win total. And the Chargers made it in, and then, of course, were promptly exited. But the Broncos and the Jets both finished in fourth place, but in very different ways, even though the two-game gap well, may not seem so huge. Yes, and there isn't anyone, as of right now, who believes that the New England Patriots will win the AFC East. No. There are those who like Buffalo. There are those who like Miami. Mm-hmm. And yes, there, there are, are those like who Jets. are picking the Jets to win the AFC East. No one is picking the Patriots. The coach, who is clearly the most accomplished in that division, is the coach of the team that no one is picking to win the division. That's why I made the point the other day that when I see a profile of a team where your quarterbacking is substandard. The quality of your roster is at best mediocre apart from the quarterback position. Your front office and your drafting record has been abysmal. There's no other fair word to apply. And only your coach is a standout. There are only two teams that have that particular profile in all of the NFL. They are the New England Patriots and the Denver Broncos. The Patriots are picked to finish last. The Broncos are picked to finish either last or third, from what I've seen, locally, nationally. Having the best coach or one of the best coaches is not enough if you don't have anything else going for you. And as far as I can tell, the Broncos don't have a lot going for them other than Sean Payton who is going to be the last angry man in the building, constantly complaining about injustices uh, perpetrated against him. And I am sitting here of the belief that if if you felt in the past that the Broncos have, not excessively, but from time to time, complained about, bad calls or those on their behalf of complaint about bad calls. Again, you ain't seen nothing yet. This coach will blame, if not everything, then a whole lot. If the Broncos don't win on officials slash the NFL conspiring against when you them call out because they hate him. The commissioner directly, as he did in 
USA Today yesterday, the day before your first practice. It's pretty clear where you stand. Now, I'm curious what, what you think. 303-831-1340 is the Colin text line. Is a defiant Denver Broncos yes. rather than a humble Denver Broncos what you want? I am curious. Yeah. I think they've there are been, some fans been, that may very well feel that that's been, the case. So, uh, fa- But, again, they've been fairly defiant as an organization but in, over the last seven but years. But that's regarding their own self-evaluation. In Sean Payton's case, it's a little bit different. What does that mean for the Broncos? We'll discuss it next on My Life Sports. I was born in a city where the winter nights don't ever sleep. So this life's always with me. The ice inside my face will never. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Broncos are back underway. Training camp first practice today. A, not only yesterday, but to an extent even today, defiant Sean Payton. Like I said, the Broncos signed on for the Sean Payton Revenge Tour. That's what they've gotten. And it's very obvious he's looking to get couple notches in his belt right off the bat. And it's personally probably not the way I do it, but we've seen all sorts of different ways work in coaching. And maybe for a Denver Broncos team that has been down for a long time, maybe for a team that, quite frankly, when you're talking about achievement at the NFL level, is minimal. And I, with all due respect, as much as I like their talent, believe they're legit. I include Pat Sertan and even Justin Simmons in that their overall career accomplishments, everyone knows they're good players. But if you're Sean Payton, you can justifiably walk into every player on this roster, save Russell Wilson, which is interesting because he maybe is the guy that's most important, and say, what have you done in this league? Wilson might be the only guy that can also hold up a hand with the Super Bowl ring and say, oh, yeah, I was the starting quarterback on a Super Bowl winning team and another one that, that lost. But otherwise, Payton's ability to walk in and say, I've won, you haven't, this is how we do it, my way or the highway – actually should on this roster be a perfectly feasible approach. But my question to you is the us against the world mentality, Sandy, can work for teams for a while. It stops working when you are a consistent winner. The Patriots for a while kind of had that vibe and it got a little silly by the end. You're like, wait a minute, the whole country seems to love Tom Brady and the Patriots and they win all the time. Who's who's betting against you? The Broncos can do that for a time, but it is interesting. Like I said before, the Venn diagram of what what is good for the Broncos and what is good for Sean Payton right now overlaps at 100%. So when you have that kind of defiance and us against the world, how do you separate? Because we've seen this, quite frankly, with Sean Payton during Bounty Gate which I wouldn't mention it because it was 11 years ago, except for he decided to mention it. Unprompted. Unprompted in the USA day-to-day about how unfair the NFL was. How do you separate out the Sean Payton is leading the Denver Broncos in an us-against-the-world will show him, and maybe even a Russell Wilson revenge tour? Sean Payton could say, hey, you know what? We're going to both go back. Russ, you and me, we're going to work together and tell show everybody how wrong they were. Maybe that would work. But if it quickly starts to feel like it's, just about the coach and the team goes along 
that's not the right start. And maybe that's the start the Broncos are off to today. And who knows? In a week, maybe it wears off. You know, Sean Payton's feeling his oats as a new head coach for the first time in a while, and uh, he's ready to go. But it's not as if he had been suspended for Bounty Gate and hadn't coached a, a game since. He hasn't been out of the league that long. That's right. So <laughs> we've seen it work at times when coaches rally your team like that. As you pointed out, the Broncos are likely to be maybe a little more of the complaining type than they have been before, it seems. But where, when you are doing that with a team that is bad, a last-place team, which the Denver Broncos are, until they're not, what are the concerns about how that can go sideways? Is it about a team becoming overconfident? Is it about a team that is tentative because they don't want to make their coach up? Well, where, where, where does it go wrong? I, I, I'm not sure about that. But I do think Defiance, which is fine if that's genuinely the personality that you want to project. When does that become paranoia, though? And when does every little thing become a crisis? And I know the gambling story is not a little thing, but frankly, the Bronco players suspended the other day is inconsequential. That is a little thing. He is he's a rotational a depth big player. Stink over that. And it, and it feels like that the point of that is simply because Sean Payton had an axe to grind here and found an excuse to do so. Exactly. And so he, he had he had a bigger agenda and it gave him the opportunity to take a whack at the NFL. And he, of course, is not entirely wrong, but the NFL's been hypocritical mm-hmm. about a lot of things. Here's what we know about the NFL. If you can find a way to monetize something, they're in favor of it. Yes. Getting into bed with gambling mm-hmm. interests, right? Sure expanding at some point, I don't know when it'll be, five years, ten years, to become a truly international sport, placing teams in London and or Munich Munich, or Mexico City. Or Mexico City. Sure. Combination of those three cities and maybe others that we haven't thought of yet. If there's a way to monetize it, they're in favor of it. The idea that Peyton, in in this case, it it, it just becomes fascinating to me that this is sort of where he decided to go from the get-go. There's there's more to it than that. Is this the hill he really wants to die on? Right now? (laughs) Right now. (laughs) I mean, you know, right now, that's the trick. And and I I think those are the, the, the questions that we'll find out going on. You know, maybe this is just, you know, as I pointed out, we talked about this in the process. You know, Sean Payton had hoped to have more of a market. I, I suspect, despite what he was told, the Denver Broncos were not his first choice. I believe he had his eye on the Dallas Cowboys and thought that was uh, going to be a fit. I think we all did, didn't we? Mm-hmm. That Mike McCarthy was going to get fired at the end of last year. And, and it ended up not being the case. So, obviously, there's some uh, there's some frustration Payton there. and Jerry Jones, very close. No one another. And... Uh, know each other and, and of course 
Peyton had no relationship at all. Right. Before he took the job with the owners here. Right. So it is a interesting scenario. And we'll, we, I guess we'll find out how this all breaks down. I, I'm not necessarily looking at it and thinking, oh, no, it's a disaster. It's not. Oh, no. It may, I, I'm not, it I'm may not very well be that, that, that Sean Payton just has. I think it'll be a hell has, of a lot better than he's got, last right, year. Right. He's got stuff to get off his chest, and once he does, it's going to be okay. Uh, and maybe by, you know, this time tomorrow, things will be completely different. He just had, had some stuff to get off his chest. He's that kind of guy. Uh, if you'll remember, we talk about the man he comes from the coaching tree off of. And there are people that come off of coaching trees and they have some similarities or do things the same way. And there are people that basically emulate him. Uh, Sean Payton's a carbon copy. Bill Parcells did things his way. If you didn't like it, well, he really didn't care. He didn't ask for your opinion. Sean Payton's the same way. Yeah, but Bill Parcells had, when he chose to present it, a certain amount of charm. I'm not sure that Sean Payton spent uh, that's any time a great, in charm school. That is a great point because I do believe, yeah, Parcells could tell you off and you'd sort of still kind of like him for it. Yes. Sean Payton has not been able to do that. He would come back the next day and he'd give you great stuff. I mean, I don't claim to know Parcells all that well, but I've had him on talk shows before and I've found him to be charming. Because maybe it was in his own interest to be that way. Right. Here in Denver. Perhaps. Which at City he liked. Was the head coach of the Air Force in the late 1970s, Mm -hmm. so he's familiar with the area. And I've never had a problem with him. And perhaps with Peyton, uh, this combativeness may be different. He's facing the, the Denver media in this situation for the first time. And so maybe he feels a little differently about it, and maybe who knows? You know, this this is a guy that certainly is not afraid of being combative and has done it in the past. But perhaps things settle in and realize, okay, that's not what's necessary here. Perhaps he adjusts and adapts, uh, as, as you pointed out, as, as, as Parcells did. But, again, for Bronco fans, and, and our number, again, is 303-831-1340. I just don't think they care. They don't care if Sean Payton tells off media members. No. They don't oh. care if he doesn't share anything. They just want wins. And I, I presume people feel the same way. And I, and you can hear, even when we played a little bit about the plan for Javante Williams and for Kareem Jackson to a lesser extent, uh, Sean Payton does know what he's doing. Yes. When it and comes he's, to he's rather expansive. And I, I would. He, does, he doesn't miss, I, he doesn't I miss a lot. Say, You've talked about how, how good coaches. Right. You've talked about Mike Shannon and other good coaches. We didn't see it with the last three. Uh they missed Big Fangio things. would talk about, well, I can't watch all the units at the same time. Well, I know, <laughs> but at the same time, the <laughs> great right. coaches actually do and kind actually, of tell what's exactly going on. exactly what they do. And, and I think Sean Payton might well be one of those guys yes. who, who can look 150 yards into the distance and, and spot a something flaw. Something looked wrong. And, and, and he's one of those guys that you've talked to players he's coached. He can talk about, he can talk to Billy basically any unit on the team and say, hey, this is what I want you to do. You know, we have a, a text coming in that, uh, you know, a- Andrew is collecting those as we speak. It's 303-831-1340. So uh, let, let us know what you think. You know, what is your feeling after this first day? Is that Does it bother you that, that uh, Sean Payton's so uh, angry at the league still, or does it make you feel good about it? Do you feel like that's circling the wagons? Let us know. We'll uh, take a look at some of those next on My Life Sports. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky? 
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.